Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by Gear Up Sports. Gear Up Sports is one of the leaders in youth apparel sports, but they also support company attire with a distributed workforce and gear to stay connected. Go to gearupwithus.com. That is what we're wearing is the Gear Up With Us uh, gear and attire we provide to all of our podcast guests. And that's what Sally will be getting down in Adelaide, Australia um, here in a little bit. And um, thank you so much for being with us. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Sally. Sally is a content repurposing whiz at turning your existing content and collateral into new profits. And she does it for you. Um, she's also a speaker, a radio, TV, and podcast host, speaker, the bureau owner and connector and mother as well. Sally, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you so much, Carl. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And I love Australian voices. Uh, I, I think we shared all, I used to work um, down in, in Sydney. I used to, I, um, I helped open up the U U.S. office for an Australian-based business called Cascade Strategy, and um, I always loved going down there. Um, you're down in Adelaide, which I didn't have the opportunity to actually go to, and it's your morning, your Saturday morning while it's here Monday afternoon in Oregon. So sorry, Friday afternoon in Oregon. And so um, it's so glad you you got up <laughs> early to, to chat with us today. Um, tell us, Sally, how did you get into your business? Or tell oh, us more about your business. Let me clarify that. Tell us more yeah, about your business. Absolutely. So I've, I'll do a bit of both because I think back, the backstory sort of also paints a picture as to where it is now. So I've been in and around and surrounded myself with the speaking and the personal development and the growth industry for probably, I, I say 15 years, it's probably over 15 years, but you know, got to hide the age a little bit. And um, so I've always been in and around the speaking industry, whether it was uh, supporting speakers, helping them grow and all those types of things. And the agency side of the business that I have now, so the marketing agency, where we do the content repurposing you know when you you just do something really well and you, you keep getting asked you know can, Sally can you do can you just do that for me please and then someone else comes along and says Sally can you just do that for me um, so you're demonstrating your effortless genius and my business in that 15 years has continually evolved I'm very much a problem solver so I've always supported and helped the clients overcome their problems um, just because of the way that I think um, and then I kept getting asked um, or, or I provided some demonstration of you know how to turn a book into some content and then somebody else asked me if I could do that and then somebody else asked me and I went oh my god this actually could be a thing um, and that was how the agency was evolved uh, from being a coaching practice and a speaking a speaker support practice into this very niched content repurposing element um, was because I kept getting asked to do what I was doing that they found highly valuable and then I worked worked out from there that this was actually a thing that people really, really need. So my life um, and my business growth has been very, very serendipitous in that it's I, I've almost been led by the, the what the clients have needed at the time to really support them growing their business. So what do you find um, 
most inspiring of let's say you know let's let's kind of go to a specific author right and so they've written their book they've done their blood sweat and tears to finally get something out right and and so what is a common challenge though so here it is right they have it and they hear all these books behind me right as i'm speaking and 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 you know that wasn't it didn't take 60 days you know it, it took many cases years and years and years of, of at a minimum experience right they feel comfortable about a book and then they have something that they get out to the world but then it sits there yeah right so how do you how do you make something that sits there and turns it into something that can be heard over and over again absolutely so my journey of this content repurposing was i actually wrote a book myself about 10 years ago and i was challenged by one of my mentors at the time who said to me oh my god sally you've got enough content to write six books and I actually thought he was mad because I don't classify myself as a writer in any way, shape or form. Happily to talk under, underwater with marbles in my mouth, no problems. Um, but what we did was we took a 45 minute presentation of mine, a speaking presentation and the training manual that actually went with it and turned it into a book. So that was my first insight of what can happen when you repurpose. So that was where it all sort the journey sort of started as well. But because I've had that love of personal development and um, I, I love seeing and demonstrating and bringing out other people's inner genius, what I see is when we as individuals are so close to our material, we actually don't value it. It comes back to that inner genius thing where I was being asked, can you do this? Can you do this? When we do something so effortless, now I, I know a book net not, isn't necessarily effortless, but we all, and or we've put a lot of effort into it and we're done with it. So there's two eff, there's two scenarios. You've got this book, you've birthed it, you've brought it to life, you've got it out there, and then you know you sort of thank God it's um, it's out there, it's done. Is you, you're actually too close to it, you can't see it. So for me, I can go through and get the essence of the person and actually start to pull all of those gold nuggets, those teachable moments, their rants that they've forgotten, and those, you know, those phrases that they say that they've forgotten, but their audience know and identify them as and with. It's all those things that you as an individual are too close to seeing that when you bring it out, people start to highly consume it because they go, oh, my God, she, it, she's back sort of thing. She's back. Here's all the stuff. Um, and the beauty of what we do is because we create it into short bite-sized chunks, it makes it very, very easy to consume. And it also makes it very easy to share and keep coming back. So it just helps to really elevate and amplify and increase the frequency because you then... Uh, go from, you know, I've got this book, I've got a, a social media post versus I've got a whole library of social media posts so I can put lots of stuff out and I can, you know, circulate it a lot more. So for us, it's pulling all those elements out and helping increase frequency, which helps uh, elevate and get um, build build the momentum around that topic and the, the products. That's so I'm kind of curious from your own personal, what do you enjoy most about that process? Well, having been a seminar junkie, a personal development seminar junkie for many, many years and always running to the back of the room until I found my own inner genius. And that's why I highlight so much other people's inner genius. For me, every book uh, or every inundation folder that I get in Google Drive from a client where they go, here's all my stuff, find the magic for me 
is I get to have a, a personal de a development seminar um, every week, all the time, and I'm always learning. So for me, I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, a, I love that for myself, but I love to be able to transfer that to the client's audience as well. Um, but for me, it's like, a you know, being at a seminar all the time, reading through people's inner genius and everybody's so has got so much knowledge, which is why I love to share it, but I actually love to consume it as much as I love to share it. So, <laughs> so in, in, in your uh, longer bio, you talk about being an entrepreneur, I think around 12 years old or something like that. Um, share with me how you got started in, in being in business for yourself and uh, how, how that all came about. Yeah, very much so. So um, I've got a somewhat rebellious streak. Some of my clients refer to me as being bossy, um, which is fine. Um, so when I was um, at, at 12, I started doing riding lessons. That was my very first job. So at uh, part-time job I had horses and I wanted to be able to go to the shows which meant and mum and dad weren't fi financing that so I had to work out how I could get my you know my money to get to enter the shows. so that's how writing lessons started then I found employment and or actually had to get work and it was like oh I have to be here at a certain time what do you mean I can't go to the toilet when I need to what do you mean I've got to wait for a break so this whole this rebel started to grow and um, so I've always had a side hustle regardless of when how long uh, my employment I've always had a side hustle I've had online um, children's gift box businesses I've done wedding makeups um, uh, you know, you name it, I've had a side hustle on the on the side. And for me, where the consistency of that side hustle came in was when I found the personal development and the speaking and this education piece. And my evolution has sort of continued all the way through through in that arena. I sort of almost found my home, if you if you will, being a lifelong learner and wanting other people to uh, to be able to share in that knowledge as well. So, um, you know, you, you developed this very successful business. You're involved in a lot of different activities. If you go and look at Sally's um, LinkedIn profile, you'll see she's involved in a tremendous amount. How, what, what's, what is your vision here for the, like, the next five to 10 years? Where, where do you see yourself going? And do you have a plan kind of to put that together? Um, I'm probably not as planned as most people think I am. I do work very uh, intuitively and things tend to come in like that. They seem to circle me and then they, then they go, right, this is next. But if I look at where we, where I am right now and what I have for the next sort of three years, it's very much a, we're very much in a growth phase and we're actually in a growth phase across the three, what I would classify as the three arms of my, of the business. Um, so the, the agency side of things, we built a production line agency versus a project um, line agency. So we could scale. So we've been in that process uh, for about the last three years. We've just dipped with the level of growth because we've sort of had some very strong growth and we've we've dipped and I want to build that up up further which we'll talk about further um, then we've got the business advisory where we're developing uh, more productization so I've got a great team uh, we've got very collaborative but for us it's about what are what what can we do to productize I think the biggest learning I've had in business as I've gone through as I've tried to self-market is it's 
not always easy to sell a service, but some, for some reason, a product can be seems to be more tangible. So that's where in my business over the last probably 10 years, the greatest learning I've had is to have that blend of service and productization, which is again, where the agency came out of things. Um, and then for us with the, the speaker bureau, it's um, a new bureau in the Australian marketplace. It's a new license. We're part of a franchise and licensing system. So it's a, a grassroots ground level. So it's again, it's sort of that growth, uh, growth phases. But for me, it's bringing all of my networks together and I've always grown my businesses through working effectively with other people and supporting other people in any way that I can. So is it possible that quote unquote one client could be involved in all three of those different areas that you have? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But you have different groups where it sounds like they're, they're, they're distinct though from that perspective as well, like distinct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. very much so. Yep. And they've got different leads for different and they've got different purposes. So there's different, um, you know, I look after the content side of it. My business partners look after more of the system side because they're the, you know, the geeky engineers, et cetera, and they understand the productization and all those quirks. And then the speaker bureau, you know, that's a, that's a different breed. It's, it's marketing again, but it's just done differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So in, in this growth part of what you're doing on a regular basis, what, what's been the greatest challenge for you? Oh, connection <laughs> for me. So I'm, I can scale, I, sorry, I can systemize and I can scale. But when I get that tunnel vision, like an entrepreneur does, and I get into Sally's speed racer, I lose connection uh, with my immediate team. So the, the staff and the team that particularly in the content repurposing agency, and that, that drives me nuts because that's not who I am, but I get stuck into, into this entrepreneur, um, you know, tunnel vision let's just go 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 um and i'm really good when we're in a uh, when it's quiet and steady i can you know check in and i catch up and i'm and i'm always warm and friendly but i feel more like a you know a taskmaster when i get these you know this tunnel vision on so for me it's um it's been maintaining that connection and the next phase for me is bringing in a uh, bringing in an operations manager I've got one within the agency, but bringing an, an ops manager in across the top that almost helps me manage the relationships better. And we're just looking into that at the moment. That makes it so it's pretty clear that you're still definitely getting that in the business part, right? You, you, you love doing what you're doing, right? And so that's the challenge of getting on top. I think you said something good there, like you're trying to find that operations manager to help you to... Um, create, if you may, uh, a system on the system of the businesses, not just the, each distinct area that you have. Yeah, very much so. So we've got, um, to, to elaborate that further, within the, the business advisory, the two guys that I work with, one of them is brilliant at relationships and checking in and he, he's just exceptional. I look at that and admire that and went and sort of go, I just want more of that but over here for me, because I don't do that bit well. Um, so that's why I need to bring somebody in that's uh, more like that person to help uh, in the agency side of things. Not so much with the clients, because the clients is a different story. It's more around um, the connection and that real camaraderie that I have with the team, because I think uh, that sort of all helps, again, because of having the production line agency, we do function as a team. If you think of the Henry uh, Henry Ford production line, we do very much function and celebrate as a team. But I do notice when I get like this, I don't, I don't, I don't feel the same. 
the staff don't say that they don't, but I can sort of see that there's that little bit of a dip and I want to change that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good self-reflection, I think, as well, that, you know, that, uh, you know, we all have those, right? We all have these um, strengths and weaknesses, but I thought it was great how you mentioned, you know, one of your uh, people that you work with that has that strength that, you know, it sounds like, you know, there's kind of the, the be really simplistic, right? There's the people side, and then there's those who are kind of more task oriented, right? And, and you know, it's knowing that you have that and you have people that you can bring in who have strengths in other areas, right? To help augment and provide better what you do. So I think that's great. Really, really good insights from that perspective. So how do you measure success in your, and I know you have multiple businesses here, but how do you measure success in your business overall? For me, um, it's definitely uh, client feedback without a doubt. Um, And then for me, it is also the ways in which the client are actually impacting their clients. So being able to for them to get a rise in client feedback, like I get a rise in client feedback is certainly how we do that and the ripple effects that that occurs. For me, I also ma- uh, manage success, and this is where the taskmaster co- comes in by uh, checking and watching the numbers. Now, I'm not, uh, it's, it's not significant numbers, but I do like to track um, incremental growth elements. Um, so for me, that's, you know, client engagement. Um, it's, you know, is the, are we more profitable this time round? Have we done a better, have we created a better better result in a faster time? Is everything, t- again, this is where the tunnel vision comes in. I'm starting to hear it as well. Is everything ticking along? So I do like to watch uh, those things. When I'm able to uh, keep things systemized, build that connection, which is still the key thing for me, um, and look at the numbers, that has a steadying um, element for me. And that steady element for me is where I create balance, where I then then experience a lot more joy. So I, as much as I'm a, a rebel and I like to work things fast, I actually like things to be balanced because I find a sense of, ah, it's all going smoothly. I'm not having to watch anything or mitigate anything or, you know, dodge and weave. It's just going smoothly. It's in flow. Yeah, it's good. That's great. I think that right there, right? That that's your measure of success and when you hit flow. Yeah. Right. It, of course, that's a little bit hard to define. It's something more you feel, but <laughs> but but I think it appears to be based on your it sounds like what you were describing it. So you have something like a scorecard that you use. Do you have like a set of metrics that you're measuring with your different businesses? Yeah, we do. So that again, the tech boys have built, uh, I suppose, an ERP system where and a, a system where we can actually see all of the data. I don't know how they do that bit. I just get to see the pretty graphs and then you know the coloured bits in the right spot. Um, so we catch up every week and we uh, we look at that as part of our executive meeting. And then I look at the, you know what and then I look at my version of the you know how that taps in with the agency side of things. So we have a fairly helicopter view around that. But because I can see it quickly and visually, um, and we can see that it's tracking in the direction that we want it to track, that's what we look at. So yeah, we've got a dashboard's the easiest way to explain it. Good, good. All right, so you have a lot going on, right? So you just described, you know, you have the multiple different businesses that you're operating with, you have um, different organizations that you're involved with. How do you keep up your energy to keep this going? You know, what type of habits have you 
found that make sure that you can give it your all every day as, as you're sitting here on a Saturday morning uh, talking with me today? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I will share a bit of a story because I had a friend that's in the peak performance uh, arena a few years ago and she works with um, world champion athletes, etc. So she's like top performance area. And she said to me, Sally, how does the word discipline make you feel? And I went, ooh. Um, had she asked that to me eight years ago, I would have cringed and run away. But I'd got to the point in my life where I actually had started to like it because through discipline, yeah, I've actually been able to create uh, really good habits because you can imagine when you're a little bit rebellious, you can get into really all sorts of mischief and bad habits, etc. So my uh, ritualistic habits is I absolutely meditate every morning. I'd like to tell everyone that I can do it for an hour and a half or two hours and I go into that. I don't. I've, there's days where I will do a 30 minute or a 45 minute and I really get in and I reconnect. But if I don't do that, my habit is to do my 20 minutes and I've got my little spot down there to the side where, I've do, um, where I do meditate. If I can do 20 minutes, get into the zone, feel, have the conversations that I need to have with whomever I'm needing to have, as well as part of my journaling and my affirmations and those sorts of things, then I'm good to go. So that's an absolute everyday scenario. The other thing for me is I have a gorgeous dog that's as bossy as I am and nags beautifully. So we absolutely do go out for a walk every every day because that's just, you know, not non um you know, not yet, just has to happen. Um, and then every weekend we go out on our adventure. So we absolutely go out into nature, go hiking. And again, when you've got a dog that's as, uh, as cheeky and as exuberant as what she is, you see so much joy in that interaction. So I love to see those joyous interactions. So I put myself into places where I can see that, whether that's seeing other people walking their dogs or going to the, um, you know, a market and having breakfast and seeing a, ki a kid enjoy a banana like I did at the shopping centre the other day. It's looking for those moments and that those elements are, are what I put into my journal to remind me of a how how much joy and how grateful I can be but also all of the serendipitous magical things that have happened during the day so that's really it meditation walking and uh, journaling all of those little incremental elements it sounds like you have a good dog my my golden doodle of 10 or 11 years now um, is getting into something that we don't know where it's from I live a little bit out in the country and he comes back with this horrible fish smell and we don't know where it's coming from. And so now we have to, we, we can't let him be free anymore. I, this dog has been like in the free for 10 years is now we have to have a leash on uh, <laughs> a regular basis because he's made us very unhappy uh, recently. And sorry to bring that up, but it's been a, uh, a, a home problem at the moment, but I'm glad to hear you have a dog that you love and is making people happy. We went, by the way, we like our dog Brady, but I love it though. Just going back to just and on a serious note, um, you, I loved it how discipline you 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 wouldn't you kind of cringed at it initially you said from a long time ago yeah. but what you really have done is you've created good habits on a consistent basis so do you wake up on the same time every day do you try to do that or do you just wake up when you 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 you, you need to i'm kind of curious on that side from the habits because meditation is probably something you do right at the beginning of your day is that what you try to do or you do a little bit later 
No, very much at the beginning of the day because if I get into, I literally literally get out of bed and go come straight into here and do it because if I don't, my head starts going, I've got to, because this is the whole tunnel visual thing, I've got to do this and I've got to do that or I'll start downloading and going, oh yeah, we can do that, creating ideas and I start mapping stuff out. If I get into that, then I've, I've lost my opportunity to sit and actually just be because I'll start doing. Um, so it's very important for me to just sit and be um, and then you know the magic happens afterwards and I do get into those flow but I can't I can, literally can't be interrupted it's literally got to go from there to there um, as far as waking up I don't generally set an alarm unless I've got an exceptionally early interview today wasn't so it was lovely it was it's early here but I do rise very very early um, so I wake up when I'm ready to wake up um, and as you can imagine, you know, that my feet hit the ground and, you know, everyone goes, oh, my God, she's up. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, we get going from there. So how do you measure success in your personal life? For me, definitely taking moments or uh, creating those moments, um, creating experiences and having uh, laughter. So if I go back probably pre 15 years ago I was very much a workaholic it was escapism I wasn't you know necessarily happily married at the time and um, so I was a workaholic to escape so I didn't have a lot of those moment making or experiences I was just you know doing 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 so for me it's very important to have those moments where we laugh which is why I, I, I journal those uh, when Rory was um, was little um, we would go for walks and we would look at the Venus flytrap uh, plants we have lots of little little teeny tiny native ones so we'd lay on the wet grass and we'd watch the plants eat the ants you know though that to me is a moment whereas you know he's uh, 18 now and six foot something um and we, when we go away we'll go away to the cave so now it's taking photos of him goofing off and saying i'm going to share them on his 21st birthday you know it's those little it's again it's little things that will mean mean a lot in the moment but also mean a lot later when you reflect on them and that was one of my greatest lessons when i was in that workaholic space and a family member was a little bit unkind but at the at the time it was perfectly timed and has shaped the rest of my life so yeah I just have to comment on when you said watching the Venus flytraps naturally eat ants. That was fantastic. <laughs> that is not something you you run into here in Oregon. Um, yeah. Seeing that, so thank you for that visual and, and that that is the joy of Australia. There's so many things that are that are quote unquote dangerous. Um, eat you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They'll eat you or something. So um, that was a fantastic Australian uh, something specific there. Um, this has been great, Sally. I appreciate all these insights. I, I love it how you have, you know, clearly been an entrepreneur your whole life, but you clear, you have also taken this part of developing multiple businesses um, and something now that's actually working and being more consistent. But I, I think at the same time, you have found balance in your own life, um, which has bring you more joy. And I think that's, that's, really need to hear. And I think it's an inspiration for those who are listening as well. So thank you for sharing all that. You're very welcome. I think for me that the, um, the, what I want to be able to get across is to people is it's all possible. You've just got to find out what, what the percentages is for you are of the all possible. That's right. That's right. All right. So what's a book? I always like to ask all our guests, what's a book you recommend for our audience? 
for me I've got it here because I love that question it's called your one word by even Evan Carmichael uh, got it okay yep. so your one word by Evan Carmichael yeah and just briefly what 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 is there a he Give talks us a little about, bit more insight there. Yeah, it talks about finding your one word. Um, and originally it's more of a marketing book. But for me, um, you went, went through the exercises and I worked out, and even though it's a word I don't use in marketing, it is actually the essence of everything that I do. My one word ended up being C-S-E-E. So for me, I worked out that I help people and I found for myself what it is I saw for myself, what I really did, what was my inner genius. I also, it helped me see the opportunities around you. So that's the content repurposing and the networking, you know, what are the resources and opportunities that you've got around you? And also helping people see what they're doing in that effort, effortless genius, which does tie into the um, that uh, inner genius. So it was, for me, it helped me work out what my repeating patterns or themes were were in my business which then helped me refine the type of businesses and the way in which I delivered my business even though I didn't read the whole book I only read about three quarters of it so just to be just to be truthful <laughs> but you you um, uh, use it you're actually using something specific from it which I think is uh, fantastic and so thank you thank you for that book recommendation what is how can people learn more and fi find you out there on the internet Yep, definitely best place for me to find me is on LinkedIn under Sally A. Curtis. Um, and then obviously my website has um, more about what I do, how I've helped, how I help people and the services that we provide. And that's sallyacurtis.biz, B-I-Z. Well, thank you so much, Sally. It has been a pleasure to have you on the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you so much, Carl. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. And to everyone listening, uh, we're wishing you the very best at measuring success and have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.